Good morning, everybody. I'm sorry, it's evening, isn't it? Yeah, for some of us it's morning, who knows who, but for some of us it is morning. We're glad you're all here tonight. Let's continue our conversation. We're continuing the conversation in our book of Revelation. Uh, Lighthouse Community Church, we're glad you're all here. If you're online with us watching, we're glad you're here. Tonight we're going to start in Revelation chapter 2. We're going to start in verse number 12. Uh, we're going to bring up some of the points about the church at Pergamum and the church at Thyatira. Uh, again, for those of you that are new or that are watching at home for the first time, uh, we go in here together for about uh, 20 minutes or so, or 30 maybe. And then we're gonna, we will shut off the stream, but that's because we want to give you time to answer some questions. We hope that you were able to receive the questions uh, online and be able to get the uh, study guides and things like that. So let's go ahead and start because you have a lot of work to do and I would not want to get in your way, of course. So first let's pray together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this time, for just the chance to get to know you better, to hear your voice. Father, we just ask now that if there's any hindrances to those who wish to have an ear to hear you this night, that you would just stop all those distractions, that you would help us to be um, fully engulfed with you this day. May our worship be true, and may more than anything else, God, let us take your words and use them for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so... Um, I've been debating the last couple of days whether or not I should read the scriptures, but I think I should because I want to remind us of a couple of things. So I'm going to start with the church in Pergamum first. It's verse 12, like I said in chapter 2 of the book of Revelation. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum write, the words of him who has a sharp two-edged sword. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast my name. And you did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore, repent. And if not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give him some of the hidden manna. And I will give him a white stone with a new name on it, on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Now, when we look at this letter, there's a couple of things. I spoke to most of it on Sunday um, and it was today, it was fun because today it was, I realized I was answering my own questions. So that's a great thing tonight. Hopefully we'll get all through this. So, because Eric says you can't stay for two and a half hours, so that's okay. We'll blame him for it. Anyway, to the one who comes, let's look at our outline right there because there's a couple of things. First off, don't forget that at the end of this, you'll have the homework questions to go back and look at some of the points made that are very important to the understanding of this chapter of scripture. Um, to the one who uh, conquers, two promises. I did not get to cover this on Sunday, uh, was running out of time. I realized that it's a little bit tougher to do two churches on a Sunday morning, and uh, it was more interesting than I thought. But the two promises to those who 
conquer the battle for your mind because that's what these two, these, both of these letters are about. These letters are more about the battle in the war that wages in us that for people we can't say. There are no soldiers attacking us. There's nobody coming after our homes. There's nobody trying to come after us with swords and, and torches. No, this one is about changing your mind through changing your ideas, through making it so that you begin to release some of the desire you have to follow Jesus and start to compartmentalize and compromise. That's where we're going to go. But let's, let's break this down. There's two things that he says that you, he's go, you, if you choose to follow him, to stay with him, to follow him even unto death, as he says in one letter, the next one. He says, I, to those I will give the bread of heaven, or sometimes uh, your, your, your Bible may say the hidden manna. Let's talk about that for just a second. The bread of life, which comes out of heaven and gives life to the word. If you uh, go on later on and you guys want to look up John 6, uh, verse 38 and verse 51, John gives a good description of the hidden manna or the bread of life. This is the same as when the Israelites were complaining that they were starving and hungry and they had no food and the manna came down from heaven and God made sure that they were fed. Nobody went hungry. That's what he's trying to tell us here. For those that conquer, you will never go hungry. You will never starve for anything. You will not hunger for my word. You will not hunger for food. You will not hunger for, for health. You will not hunger. You will not hunger. In other words, the desire that we have for not just the blessings of God, but the desires we have just for the basic things in life, the great supplier of everything will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. And yes, that's another scripture. But we choose whether or not we get to follow. And then once we choose to follow, it's the conquering that gives us this, the bread of life. And then he, and in B there under number one on your outline, it says, Jesus is asking, why look for food that does not satisfy? Is he talking about hamburgers and hot dogs? Or is he talking about the bread of life that is also called the word of God that sustains us every day? See, that's where I think he's going here too. Is that please, please know that if we get to the point where that we can trust in the fact that we will never thirst, we will never hunger after this word, that it will always be there as long as we open our eyes to it. Tonight, one of the things we're going to be doing as life groups as you're opening your eyes and you're starting to read through these questions and look through the scriptures, please let your hearts and minds be open to them. Receive that bread of manna, read, read bread of heaven. Receive that hidden manna where it's the word of God that fills us up. Because it is the word of God essentially that helps us to stay in focus with the Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. What was that? Amen? Amen? Thank you very much. I appreciate that. what I need to hear. Number two, it says you will receive a white stone with a new name on it. Now, this one's very interesting, and, and I'm trying not to give you a giant history lesson here on what the white stone meant, because there are some really cool facts about this white stones, because anything, and I think I put it on there, in times of decision by any group, business or church, Votes for approval would be made by the white stones. That's votes of approval. Does anybody know what happens if you did not want to give the vote of approval when you wanted to say no or death or what color was the stone? Black. 
whoever said that way to go team. So that's what we did. That's what it is, is you heard advice. Now, an interesting tidbit, and I didn't get to share this on Sunday, is that when voters were given stones, they were given eight black stones and one white stone. Which tells me then, how do I say this gently? Tells me then that they could vote more than once with the black stones. That's as far as I'm going to take that one. We'll leave that alone. So they could vote as many times as they want for something bad, but for something good, they only got one white stone. Now, there's all kinds of references to the Old Testament about things that happened when they drew lots, when they threw, um, when they decided what the white stones, black stones, all those things. Whenever there was a group, even in the ecumenical council, for those of you that want to know what that is, if you go to the book of Acts, you will see starting in chapter 11, I would say, 11 through 15, you will find out that the group of people that got together to decide on whether Paul and Barnabas could, could go out and keep preaching to the Gentiles without becoming Jewish. Well, in that they took another vote and everything and everybody gave the white stone and for the one simple reason that Peter stood up and said, look, if, if God called them just like he called us, then who are we to say that God is wrong? In this, when he says he's going to give you a white stone with a new name on it, let's talk about that one because the only one that gets to recognize the name is the one who receives it. I have a question about this because I, and I don't know the answer, so I'm going to be honest with you. I've looked and looked, and trust me, I've really tried to find it, but the whole deal was this. In looking at that stone and with that new name on it, it says the only one who knows will be the one who receive it, receives it. That means that there's a point when you're going to be looking at this stone and you can see the new name and if you show it to your friend, go, look here. If I was with Gary, I'd say, hey, Gary, look at what name I have. Gary couldn't see it. What that tells me is how special each and every one of us are to God. He wants you to know that you are special to him alone, that you don't have to belong to a group, a party, a workers' union, anybody or anything, because you alone are special to God. That is the, I just, that excited me. When I started researching this, what it came down to was this. The white stone not only gave you approval, grace, acceptance, compassion, love of the Father, love of your Creator, but it also meant that you were special to Him that nobody else was in that way. Each one of us has something that's special to God, and that's where we get that from. So th that's what's the great thing about the white stone. Now, before we get going too far, I want to get to the letter at Thyatira. So let's look at verses 18 through 29. And like I said, after this is over, for those that are here in your life groups, I'll be around if you want to ask more questions and talk more about it. I would be happy to do that. To the angel in Thyatira, he writes the words of the Son of God who has eyes like flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love, your faith and service and patient endurance, that your Latter works exceeded the first, but I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. Amazing how these two churches have the, almost the exact same um, issues. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immoralities. 
Behold, I will throw her into a sickbed, and those commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold to this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay any other burden upon you. Only hold fast and what you have with what you have until I come. The one who conquers and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken into pieces. Even as I myself have authority from my father and I will give him the morning star, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Covered a lot of things in this on last Sunday. And if you need to, and if you haven't seen last Sunday, please feel free um, when we're done tonight or anytime. You can see this also at any other time. Please feel free to go back and look at Sunday because I do go down and explain a lot of those things except for these two points that I get to deal with right now. So in, in this it says, the good news to the Christians at Thyatira, which apply to us also. Jesus is the judge who sees all things. And he hates compartmentalization. If we look at why that is, it's because by doing the compartmentalization, which simply means this. Jezebel was teaching that you could take your belief in Yahweh and put it in a box and put it over here on the side for when you were at church on Sunday. But she also tried to teach them the deep things of Satan or of spirituality, as she called it, you could have those deep things and deep meanings and you could believe and worship Yahweh at the same time. Where that you could worship Yahweh and, and Baal at the same time. And together, all you did was put them in their own compartments so that you could do this on this day and this on this day and this time, this time, and keep them separated. The issue we have in Exodus, God has one little notation about that. You shall have no other gods before me. God knows that you cannot. God knows. Jezebel knows that you cannot worship Yahweh and build the same time. There is no way God is going to allow that. But she is seducing them with that compartmentalization ideas. And this is why Jesus hates it. Because it makes him weep. As that compartmentalization separating those things. Keeping them in that. The more you start looking at both of those gods... You're going to serve one and hate the other, which means now you're opening yourselves up to a lot of spiritual darkness. And that is what Jesus is trying to remind everybody of here at this point. All of that compartmentalization or believing that you can serve one God and, and the other at the same time, all you're doing is opening yourself up to spiritual darkness. There's a place you never want to be. Because remember, the place in hell is a place without God, and that's the spiritual darkness. Let's look at number three there on your reward. It says, I will not lay any other burden on you. That is protection that's beyond all else. That is a protection factor that, uh, that's amazing to me. If he's not going to lay any burden on us, then that means he's also going to make sure nobody else can. You see, remember, when you go back and look at the second chapter of Job, you'll see that there's a chance where God can say, hey, yes, you can, yes, you can't, to Satan and his minions. 
at this point, I will not lay any other burden on you. That simply means that don't worry, I'm not going to let anybody get near you when you do this. You stay close to me and you're close to me. And I'm the one that has the power to say yes or no to any forces that wish to hurt you. The next thing, he will give authority to the nations. Whenever you see, remember, whenever we see the mention of eyes, eyes like a flame, eyes that, are, that have tunnel, eyes that, the eyes mean that there's all knowledge, that he can see through the veil, that he has the knowledge to be able to see what's going on and know what's going on. When he says, I'll give you authority of the nations, that simply means this, that there will come a time when those who try to rule over us are trying to get us to do things we don't want to do. And we have the permission of the almighty creator to say, no, that's okay. I don't feel like doing that right now. Boy, it used to, it just, it's a point where that those who are trying to make us do things we know is wrong, we know we don't want to do, we, we have the ability to say no. C, under number three, says you will rule with a rod of iron which means that you will have power to break up those clay pots, those stumbling blocks that are in front of you, those things that you think are going to overpower you. No, no, no. He says, no, you have the power to stop them. And the last one there, he says, he will give you the morning star. Wow. You want, let's look up the morning star and the references to that throughout this book. Because every time that it's mentioned the morning star, it is the power of light, the power of peace, the power of grace, the power of love. The morning star is that that holds, the morning star is the one who holds the seven churches, the seven stars, the seven days. Everything that happens that's good, powerful, strong, and shows Jesus as the mighty conqueror relates to the fact that he is the morning star. And when he says, if you conquer and you hold on and you endure, you will always have me by your side. We will always have him by our side. When I will give you the morning star, I'm going to be there. So when we go to the end of this, it says, how do we fight the battle for our mind? Three things, real quick. You're going to stay humble. Because we don't know everything that's going on around us, especially in the spiritual realm. Paul tells us in the sixth chapter of Ephesians, he talks about all of the principalities that are going on behind us. There are protections that we receive every single day that we do not even realize are going on around us, but they are there. Number two, when it says Jesus' words that he's speaking as the two-edged sword, that means that he's cutting through the, not the lies and the deceit and everything. He can slice up the... If, if, if the whole... If you had a mound, and excuse me for the chef reference here, but if you had a mound of giant salami or some kind of huge piece of meat, and it represented nothing but lies and deceit and everything in front of you, that two-edged sword would just slice it up and get it out of the way. Of course, then we can just throw it on the Traeger and have a good time. So we have to realize that what's going to happen is as he, we listen to him speaking, he cuts not just through to our hearts, but he cuts through to the lies and deceit of the world. Close your eyes sometimes and say, Father, I just heard this on TV. I just heard this, read this in the newspaper. I just heard this from a friend. Is this true? The key to that is if you say, is this true? Or help me, Lord, understand. Stop talking and listen. Listen. Because if you can do that and hear him, he's going to come down and he's going to say to you, remember, we have the two-edged sword and we'll cut through the lies and deceit. No, that is not true. Or yes, my grace is sufficient for you. 
And number three there, and we're going to finish with this. Stay in the word of God with an open mind and an open heart. Even if you're reading one verse a day, even if you're just hearing music on the, and it's scripture verses and it's things like that, you're hearing somebody speak. Last week I said to you, don't ask why God am I going through this, but ask what are you trying to teach me through this? And one of the ways, one of the strongest ways that we can do that is by staying in his word. This book is the magic book. The deep things of spiritualness or spirituality, it really does say spiritualness in their language, but spirituality is staying in this book. This is the, the, this is the manual for life given to us by the one who created us. We stay in this, we stay close to his side. Down on the bottom, the good news is that Jesus will not allow us to be captive to false idea as long as we stay close to him. Please remember, when you struggle, when you're tired, when you're down on your knees and you're just worn out from the day, the activities and everything going on around you, there are times when it seems like days of bad news just all come at once. Down there on the remember, call on Jesus in your struggle. He is fighting for our minds 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Let's join him in that battle and stay close to him. If we do that, the peace that passes all understanding will be yours. Let's pray together. Help us, God, in this battle. Let us hear your voice. Let us calm our own voice so that we can hear you. We desire more than anything to walk by your side, Jesus. We know that you have all power. We know that you have all knowledge. We know that you have all grace. And for that, we are grateful. Now, as we search a little bit deeper tonight, Lord, I ask that you be with all of us that are here looking to hear from you even more that applies to us and us only. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. We're going to close off the stream. Um, wow, I went 25 minutes. Oh my goodness, what happened here? So the good thing is that we're going to close off the screen. And as we close off the stream, you can look at those questions, ask those questions. If you don't have them, go back to watch Sunday last week. Um, and we'll be in here next week. And so you can join us again next Wednesday as we continue the conversation in the book of Revelation. God bless you all and may you have a great week.